Hey, this is WWE Hall of Famer from the Legion of Doom, Road or Animal, and welcome to the debut of the What A Rush podcast, and we are talking great memories of the Carolina wrestling days right after a great WrestleCade weekend, and the stories are going to be a blast. So let's get ready. Let's go for a fun ride. Tell him, Hawk. <laughs> He's one half of the Road Warriors and the Legion of Doom, the most successful tag team in the world of professional wrestling. He's held the AWA, NWA, WCW, and WWF titles. He snacked on danger and dined on death. He's Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis, and this is the What A Rush Podcast. Now, here's your host, Joe Roderick. And welcome on in to the debut episode of the What A Rush podcast. I am your host, Joe Roderick, joined by the star of the show, Joe Laurinaitis, Road Warrior Animal. What's going on, man? Hey, Joe, what's up? I got to say, I am uh, extremely excited to be uh, entering this project with you. And I know from the past, uh, well, like two months now that you and I have been hanging out doing stuff that I know you're pretty pumped about it as well. Well, yeah, man, it's always great, great uh, rehashing old stories and and talking to old friends and going over some of the nostalgic, trend-setting matches in the history of professional wrestling, man. So it's a great, it's a great honor. I, um, you know, I know wrestling podcasts are pretty hot right now. We saw a few of the guys when I was with you in North Carolina this uh, this past weekend that have their own wrestling podcasts, and everybody has their own style. Everybody has their own stories, but for you in particular, being part of uh, one half of the greatest tag team of all time and the guys that you have been on the road with been on planes with been in the ring with and uh, beyond it's uh it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of stories that hopefully a lot of the listeners are going to be hearing for the uh, for the very first time <laughs> yeah you know i i think the difference between hawk and i and our careers is that along with the other guys doing the podcast um we've got to experience every level of this wrestling business and have seen everything that could possibly happen so the fans are definitely in for a treat i'm gonna so since since i've known you again we've known each other for about two months now we've been talking about doing this putting everything together getting this uh getting this together i i have compiled a list of everywhere you have been in in the world since we have uh since we've started this vegas chicago baltimore japan west virginia Boston, New York. Where were you up in Canada? Was it uh, Calgary? I was in Hamilton. Hamilton. Hamilton, Ontario. Ontario, Canada. And then last week, I uh, I was with you and your wife in Winston Salem, North Carolina, yes. for uh, for Wrestlecade. Yes, and and now I'm getting ready to go to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a jack of all trades. And people look at my passport and they go, "Where in where in the world is Road Warrior Animal?" You know. <laughs> On top of that, too, I you know I, I know people. You've you've done your fair share of radio interviews over the uh, over the past few years, but now on top of that, you're you're a grandpa a few times over as well. Heck yeah, man! I got six grandkids. It's phenomenal. My uh, six year old uh, grandson Jacob, he drop kicks me in the mouth when I'm not not looking when I'm watching. You know, if we're watching Raw or SmackDown, it goes, "Watch out, Papa!" Bam with the drop kick in the teeth. You know, so it's uh, it's fun though, man. It's fun to relive it all again. That's uh, that's that's pretty awesome. So yeah, you know, along with that, today, as a matter of fact, of all things, 
he took, you know, that Legion of Doom road war belt I showed you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Papa was brought in for show and tell today. So he brought my action figure in and he brought my wrestling belt in. So it's pretty cool that your grandson thinks enough of you to take you in for show and tell. And it's not the Labrador puppy, you know. <laughs> so. so today on the uh, on the premiere episode, the debut episode of the What a Rush podcast, we're going to go back to this this past weekend to the WrestleCade convention. The WWE held Starcade in Greensboro, but we're going to talk about all things the Carolinas with you and your career, and also just kind of get people you know g- give people an idea of what these weekends are like at these conventions as well, but also share a uh, share a few stories from. From that, so you know, I list all of these conventions going on. You, you know, you texted me at the end of it, and you had mentioned how that convention was nothing like some of the other ones that you'll see. I imagine that you know, when we go down to New Orleans for WrestleCon, that's going to be a, a beast in itself. Uh, Wrestle, WrestleCon <laughs> will be crazy, and and WrestleCade is a huge convention. Um, it's kind of a celebration for the fans in that area. You know, you had Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and then you had the NWA there for years, right? And you, and you know the stars we saw there from the Midnight Express and Nikita Koloff, you know, to, you know, Bruce Pritchard we saw down mm-hmm. there, and, 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 you know, and uh, you know Jerry Lawler and, and a bunch of other people down there. Lex Luger was down there. You know, I, I sat next to Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. It was awesome, man. And those are just some of the people you get to see at some of these conventions. And the Carolinas were a great hotbed for wrestling. And you mentioned, well, you next to Dean Malenko on the other side. Hornswoggle yeah. was behind us. Yeah, I, Hornswoggle came over and said hello, you know, which is great. Then you had the, the ladies from WOW were there, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, a lot of other great superstars. I know uh, I saw uh, Billy Gunn there, you know, as a matter of fact. And, you know, you saw Stan Lane which is incredible to see Stan. Stan's going around doing appearances now as well. I saw Ryback, you know, a, a, a lot of the stars. So it, it's a great, you know, the boogeyman was there too, man. He's coming to get you. You know, it's kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, man, it was it was a great convention. I was glad to see a lot of familiar faces and a lot of a lot of familiar fans. And uh, it, it's a celebration, man. I love these conventions because it's a way, Joe, to give back to the fan. Because a, a lot of times in this wrestling business, we are so untouchable. You can't touch us or you can't talk to us, really, because we're protected by numerous amount of security, right? And now it's our, it's our turn to give back to the fans. You know, I bring my spike shoulder pads on every event I go. I let the fans put them on. I let them try to be a member or at least feel like they're a member of the Yellow D for a second, you know? So it, it's a good thing for the fan. How, I've, I've wondered this. How do you travel with those? How do they get on the plane? Man, it's like an erector set. It's like a Road Warrior erector set. Every spike screws on. I put them in my bag, and I carry those spikes around. I barely make the weight limit on every flight I go on. Between that and the clothes, uh, man, it, it, it's the biggest rib on myself carrying those shoulder pads, you know? And so you you take them all you you break it all down you put it all you put it all back together every single trip. Are they yeah. going to Are they going to the UK with you? They're going to the UK with me. As a matter of fact, I just got done spray painting the black ones last night, re, retouching my Earl Scheib touch up kit. <laughs> you know, I feel I feel like one of the pet boys painting my spikes. You know, 
but yeah, we we I touch them up and uh, and they'll get ready for the next trip and they go on. We should mention, you know, debut episode. No sponsors yet. No no commercials. No no live reads. So we might as well mention to the folks that are going to be listening to this over in the UK that it is Wales Comic Con that you are going to be going to. You could find it online, Wales Comic Con dot com is yeah. where you could see. I'm, I'm looking at the list here. And, you know, you're, you're going to be there wrestling-wise. You, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and the man they call Sting will be there from the wrestling side. Yeah, you know, I, I heard there might be a little situation with Sting. I don't know. Um, but, hey, I'm going to be there, and that's pretty much all that matters to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, Beefcake will be there too, yes. But, uh, you know, what's great about those, you know, I'm usually there on Actors Row with a lot of guys from The Walking Dead and, you know, and Jason Voorhees, you know. From Jason, the Friday the Thirteenth. So it, it's it's a good it's a good deal for me. Um, the fans in the UK are phenomenal, especially in the, in the country of Wales. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jamie Milner, uh, who brought who brings you in as the promoter, and it's his event. Is a great great guy, man. A great human being. So when you go over there and you have good people to see and, and to work with, it, it, it makes a more enjoyable trip. Do you get a lot of the uh, the actors coming over to you? They know who you are, the Walking Dead guys, especially. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, especially you have the the actors, and sometimes you have musicians involved. Um, you know, we do the events like C two E two in Chicago. You have a lot of uh, musicians involved and stuff like that. You know, it's great to. I guess pay homage to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you know it, it's an ultimate respect. I mean, at the one last, one big comic I did in New York, you know, I, I went over and said hello to Henry Winkler, you know, and and to have people say, man, I know you are. You know, it's like when I met Mike Tyson for the first time. You know, he said, I said, a hey, champ. I said, uh, rode around. He goes, I know who you are. He goes, man, I've watched you for years. So that to me is the greatest form of flattery and, and mm-hmm. a comment, man. To have a guy that's been a world champ say, "Yeah, hey, I know who you are," and so it's pretty cool. I was kind of hoping for you to do a Tyson impression there. Don't no, you, well, you, no, <laughs> I, uh, I was going to start to do one, but <laughs> I respect Mike too much. I don't want that left hook to hit me or something. <laughs> what? Oh, so, because I saw I saw all different kinds of people coming up and talking to you. You have the ones that their their parents are explaining to them the kids who you were. You have the ones who the parents were so excited to. To see you when the kids are, you know, the kids are excited to see Hornswoggle, but then the the dad is excited to see you. G- give me an idea of what proper etiquette would be at these at these events. You know, I, I think everything goes out the window when you go to one of these events, one of these fan appreciation type deals. You know, you have the parents who were 10, 11, 12, 13 years old when Hawk and I were first starting. Now they're adults, right? And they turn into 12-year-olds who they put my spikes on. And I see that every event. But then the kid who is now 10 years old, because the parent has showed them, hey, this is the real deal, man. These are the real McCoy here, the Road Warriors. Now the kid sits there and he says, gosh, I like these guys too. Because we were so different and so far ahead of our time. I think that it makes a difference now in, in the way the present stage of professional wrestling. Because there's no doubt in my mind, if Hawk were to break into and I were to break in today, It'd be all over, man. We would own the tag team wrestling ranks today. And we're going to talk a lot, too, about the current product. I know you and I were texting the past couple days during Raw and during SmackDown, too. It's it's crazy to think that there are still guys going today that were there when you were when you were in your uh, in the heyday, too, of the WWF, when, when Raw was in the early stages. Heck, yeah, man. It's great to see guys still going because, you know, 
just goes at longevity as long as you're over or popular with the fans could last a long time. And then there's Joe's we talked about new product that sometimes on SmackDown, like I admit the other day, I felt like yawning and falling asleep. It was so boring, you know, but uh, Hey, it, it, that goes along with every show. I'm sure we were boring during the day on some of our shows, but you know, today's product is so out there because of, because of Facebook, because of Twitter, because of YouTube and everything else, that it has to be exciting every show. We should mention that we are also on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow along with us. You can tweet at us. You can email the show on Twitter at WhatARushPod. That's WhatARushPod is where you can find us on Twitter. Facebook, we'll be changing the name of that over to right now. You can find it on Facebook, O,WhatAPod. And uh, you'll be you'll be posting that as well. Uh, email for the uh, for the show Road Warrior Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to uh, you you guys reaching out to us, emailing us any of your uh, any of your questions that you have each and every week that we uh, that we drop a new episode here on the Heck Water yeah, Rush man. Podcast. Anything's anything's legal here with us, and anything goes. There is no such thing as a dumb question. No, it's yeah, questions that people uh, probably have had for years that they you know if they haven't made it out to a convention, haven't made it somewhere, they'll uh, they'll be able to uh, they'll be able to ask you anything that they uh, that they want here. It'll be uh, it'll be awesome. Well, yeah, we we realize that people cannot get out every day and cannot travel across the U.S. to be able to see us at these events and ask us questions and you know and and we realize that sometime in our life in someone's fan's life that we were kind of like a superhero to mm-hmm. them, you know? So, and, and you know, at, at the end of the day, we're real people too. And we realize what it's like. So you can come talk to me at any time. That's why I love doing personal appearances. That's why I want to do this podcast. Yeah. And we I do have to give a big thank you to the stlpodcast.com for putting us up there, being our home website for the, uh, for the first episode and beyond getting us out on the air as we uh, as we kick things off here, the stlpodcast.com. But, of course, you'll be able to hear us on all of the different podcast platforms. And uh, when you uh, when you follow along on social media, you'll be able to uh, to tweet along with us or uh, tweet with us and any questions, any uh, anything that you want to hear about, any stories that you want to hear about, too, because there are going to be some weeks, Joe, that we're going to put it to the fans. We're going to let them decide who it is they might want to hear from or what kind of rivalry it is that they want to uh, they want to hear about. So we're going to uh, we're going to give it to the fans as well. Put it in their hands. Yeah. You know, this is like the fan appreciation podcast, you know, whatever they want to hear. And fans have got unbelievable, crazy questions everywhere I go. So I look forward to reading these questions to see what they're all about. I got to okay. So when you come in, you know you you got heat when you first uh, when you first debuted. You know you you and Hawk came out and you you beat the hell out of Dusty. You, you came out and you jumped him. So do do we need to have a feud in the podcast world right now? Is there somebody that we need you to to cut a promo on or to go after that we can we can tweet at them and they just they then give us that little that little push. Bro, I serve notice to all podcast people. <laughs> there is no one guy. That was Hawk and I's motto all through our career is I don't care, he don't care, and Paul, he don't care either. So, you know, like I said, man, there is no rules. There are no rules. There are no limits. We will go and attack everybody, and we will take on all challengers. I like it. So we've uh, we've talked about the uh, the convention this weekend, and it was all – 
surrounded around Starcade, or I guess Wrestlecade came first, then the WWE decided to put Starcade there. But it was a little bit of a throwback weekend yeah. this past weekend in the North Carolina area in Winston Salem and in Greensboro. Yeah, you... What a coincidence! <laughs> what a coincidence! WWE put Starcade <laughs> next next to Wrestlecade. Oh my lord! Wow. Well, how strange is that? The WWE tries to piggyback off of something else. Do you remember your first match in that area? Do you remember your first match in the uh, in the Carolinas? You know, I remember when I first started by myself singularly in in North Carolina. I remember in that Winston Salem area and Fayetteville area getting put to sleep by Johnny Weaver. <laughs> and Johnny Weaver, and you wouldn't have thought when you looked at Johnny Weaver that <clears throat> that this guy was able to get a fan reaction or nothing. And, man, I'm telling you, the Carolinas came unglued when he put me to sleep. Um, it, it's, it's incredible how nostalgic the Carolinas are for pro wrestling, man. And I sat there as a young punk, and I watched how popular Sergeant Slaughter was when he had – Great feuds with Ricky Steamboat and Greg Valentine against Ric Flair, you know, and it, it was just great stuff to watch. So you, this is you were just the biker gimmick, the solo biker gimmick, no hawk. Well, yeah, you know, I went down to Atlanta first, and then they sent me to the Carolinas because there was some big feud going on between the ownership of uh, of Georgia Championship Wrestling. So I went down to the Carolinas, and of course, you know, my very first match ever in the Carolinas was against Ravishing Rick Rude. Now, here, Rick Rude and I went to camp together. So we looked at each other, we, and we got it. <laughs> they gave us our finish, and uh, they said, you guys are going to do a 20-minute Broadway. I looked at Rude, and I said, what the hell is a Broadway? <laughs> Nobody told us what a Broadway was. Nobody said it was a 20-minute tie and even match. They just said, go out there and do a 20-minute Broadway. And we got yelled at because we did everybody's finish that we learned in wrestling camp in the first five minutes. And then where do you go? Now you got 15 minutes to fill. And we were so inexperienced and so we didn't know what the heck was, which way was up, which way was down. But it was definitely a learning experience. Thank God they had great guys like Flair and Slaughter and Steamboat on the show to save the show, to be quite honest with you. So how blown up were you five uh, minutes into it? I blew up walking to the ring. Your, your nervous energy kicks in. I was ready to puke before I even hit the ring, you know. And because uh, Rude and I, we wrestled in camp, man. We, we literally we broke each other's nose. We, we killed each other at fat lips because, you know, our trainer at Sharky never got in the ring with us. So we never knew what was going on. And so we wanted to make this as real as possible, and we sure did. We killed each other the first five minutes, and then we had to finish the show. So it was pretty crazy, man. What finishers were you doing then? Whose finishers oh were you God. doing? I, I put the figure four on them. They go, you can't put the figure four on them. That's Jack Briscoe's finish. Okay. I Well, he puts the sleeper on me. You can't put the sleeper on me. That's Sergeant Slaughter's Cobra Clutch finish. You can't do it. I said, I looked at the referee. I said, what the hell can I do? I said, everybody's finish is so sacred here. What can I do? But that's back when in territories, when it was Mid-Atlantic NWA, that you protected the top guys finish and nobody else could use their finish. Now, when you watch wrestling, there are no rules, man. Everybody does. Everybody's finished in the first 10 minutes. And that's why ratings are down in wrestling. I believe. And finishers too, have gotten a little more complicated. Well, they've gotten more complicated. They also gotten more stupid. 
you know, because guys are risking themselves doing more stupid things. That, but then because here's the end at the end of the day, Joe, guys are standing straight up from them. So how impressive was that finish of a guy standing straight up? Which I mean, one? What, what's your favorite finisher? What's your least favorite finisher today? Well, I think my still my favorite finisher of all time is Hawkeye's finish. No, no, I'm talking about in the current product, the current wrestlers today. You who know, whose finish do you see and that you you like? Uh, you know, I watched the finish the other day. Um, gosh, I forget the guy's name. I think they were wrestling. Uh, they were on Raw the other night. You remember? He was a he was a black kid that did the reverse moonsault twist and flip spinach. Is there one of the cruiserweights? Yeah, cruiserweight finish. Okay. Was freaking phenomenal finish of the cruiserweights. The cruiserweights always do great finishes. Those guys can flip around and fly around, and uh, it, it, it's, it's crazy. You know, I, I really, you know, I have to be honest, I don't dwell in, in the finishes very much because if the match is boring, I, I put the clicker on and I change it. You just that I change it. I said it doesn't matter to me what the finish is. If you don't have the people within the match and they're not into the match, it doesn't matter what kind of finish you do. Like the other night, right? They had the girls match on and SmackDown. Natty Neidhart did one spot and walked away from the ring. Made her look like a quitter and made her team look weak. By the way, Rich Swan is who you were uh, who you were talking about. Rich Swan, one yeah. of the cruiserweights. It was phenomenal finish, man. It's an impressive looking finish. I thought looked good. I've never seen anybody do that particular type of finish. You know, I've seen moonsaults. I've done a moonsault myself in the past, but that finish was pretty cr- crazy because you put a twist and a and a gainer on top of it. So, man, that, that today I don't think anybody has even tried anything like that, as far as I can see. So back to the uh, back to the Carolinas. That so that was your your first memory of that, isn't a uh, isn't a very good one with you and oh, no, you and Rick bro, Rude. It was horrible. We had to stick up the joint. We were I think we were first match, and I'm surprised if we weren't the popcorn match where everybody's going to buy popcorn during our match. So who's yelling at you when you come backstage? Is Flair getting well, in your face, or is well, Sergeant Slaughter no, getting in your face? No, man. I was 280 pounds. Nobody was going to yell at me because I think people knew. I mean, before we even became the Road Warriors, I mean, I, I was nothing to mess with, and I was no street fighter. Listen, I'm not the toughest guy in the world, but I was no, you know, I had to look on me. I wasn't something even to mess with back then. And they knew I was green. Back then in territories, guys took care of the green guys. I was green and young, and they took it up as being stupid and inexperienced, and that's what it was. So when you think Carolina wrestling, when you think Greensboro, when you think Winston-Salem, when you think Charlotte... First, uh, give me the first names that come to mind. Oh, Sergeant Slaughter, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, Greg Valentine. Mike Rotundo was there. He was the young guy at the time. Oh, man. Johnny Weaver. Those are some of the guys. Don Carnoodle. Those are some. Jimmy Nelson. Those are some of the guys. You know, Boris Zukov. Some of the guys that come to mind. You've mentioned Johnny Weaver a few times now, and of the names that you've mentioned, none of those are guys that you had. Uh, all the other guys are ones that you had runs with in WCW, WWF, uh, NWA. Tell us a uh, tell tell us a bit about Johnny Weaver. Well, from what I know, history wise, you got to understand. I only knew Johnny Weaver for a month, so and I didn't know the history of professional wrestling because, to be honest, I was training for football, so I really didn't know wrestling. You know, but so I got in it, and then uh, all that I know is that Johnny had a power 
Talk about people power. Johnny had a reaction with the people that they loved Johnny Weaver. He was a beloved baby face in the Carolinas, and um, he put many big guys to sleep. And I was just another total, a, a stroke on his total pole, you know what I mean? I was another notch. So, And that's what I knew about Johnny Weaver. And he wrestled a lot of main events. Johnny Weaver had some great matches against Mr. Wrestling and Mr. Wrestling number two. You know, from what I hear, and uh, and he was he was a pretty good performer. So you go. How long were you in? So you were there when Oli sent Oli sent you there, right? He oh. he sent you to uh, from Georgia, uh, from Atlanta up to the Carolinas for a while to kind of try to hide you, to kind of keep you keep you protected, if you if you will, well, from I, his company. Yeah, I think he had big plans for me as the Road Warrior, so I think he wanted to get me out of the knuckleheadism of what was going on in Georgia's championship wrestling. He sent me to the Carolinas, but little did he know, in the Carolinas, you know, uh, Jimmy Crockett paid me so horribly that I pretty much starved. I mean, I went from 275 to 280 in body weight down to 225 in three months because I didn't have any money to buy food or train properly or do anything. I couldn't afford, you know, any, any, a hamburger at Burger King because I was sending money home for child support and all this other stuff. So it, w- it wasn't a very good experience for me. I lasted there three months. Uh, when Christmas, t- Christmas came around, I went into Jim Crockett's office, and I said, hey, Jimmy, I can't live on what I'm making here. He says, Joe, I'm sorry. I really don't have anything else for you. And I said, well, thank you for the opportunity. And I quit and went home. And how uh, – you're, you're not making any – how uh, – who else is in, in that same boat as you then? Who are some other names that you're, you're rooming with that you're trying to make it work with? Well, Rick Rude got injured. Sergeant Slaughter landed on Rick Rude the wrong way and injured him. I mean, <laughs> pretty devastating injury. One of his private parts was about the size of a grapefruit. Um, it was a bad move. But, uh, yeah, Rick Rude was one of them. Uh, there were some other guys that weren't very, making very much money, but they lived, they lived in that area. They were from that area, so it didn't matter. Me, I was a transplant. I came from Minnesota to the Carolinas, so I had nobody there. I had nobody to turn on there. I had no help. I had no financial help. So I, I had no choice but to go home and go back to work. And then I had to get my weight back up. You and know, so I went home and started training again. You know, I had a good friend of mine, Jim Younger, that owned the, the gym, which Hawk and I bought into later on in our career. And he let me train there for free, gave me some protein powder. I got my weight back up. I bounced like four jobs. And uh, then Ole Anderson called again. So you left – so you leave the Carolinas as a, as a skinny kid – who lost a ton of weight, was living out of a hotel eating, what, three pretzels a day? Is that what you... No, no, I, I, I had a bag of pretzel sticks and a half a gallon of milk, which lasted me a week. So if you look at the bag of pretzel sticks, what's in there? Maybe 25, Jeez. 30 pretzel sticks. So it averages about three pretzel sticks a meal. And, uh, you know, once in a while, if it wasn't for Slaughter or Canoodle buying me a cheeseburger, because they were on top, they had all the money then, you know, I wouldn't have had any protein in, in my diet at all. You know, so I, when I went home to Minnesota, I remember, I remember distinctly getting a call from Ole Anderson. And Ole saying, oh, man, I'm sorry, you know, you're in a kill. I said, bro, I said, you told me I was going to be there a month. I was there three months. I said, I starved and I dropped weight. I said, Ole, I kill you. <laughs> I said, I'm going to knock you out. And I told Ole that. I said, yeah, I mean, listen, Ole Anderson had a reputation in the wrestling business, but at that time, I didn't care, and I wasn't afraid of anybody. I knew what I could do, and I said, I'm going to beat you up. 
And, you know, it's, and listen, nobody gains anything when you get in a fight, but I told that to Ole, and then I hung up on him. And then about a month or two later, I got a cold phone call from Ole again. What keeps you going at that point? What, you're, not, you're not on TV. You're not, you know, people probably aren't buying tickets to come see you when no, you're I low was, on the card and everybody else is, you know, the names that you mentioned yep. are the ones bringing it in. So what keeps you going when you have a kid back home and you're eating pretzels and milk? You know, man, I think it's uh, intestinal fortitude that my dad had installed in me that, you know, you're not a quitter. You don't ever quit anything. And uh, that's just what I had learned growing up. And, you know, I would, and, and, you know, listen, you look at things a little bit different when you have a little human being on home that's dependent on you. You know, and I had my son, Joe, who's dependent on me. So, you know, I had to send money home so they could pay for his bills. So I wasn't going to let him down in any way. I was going to succeed at something no matter what I did. So I hung it out as long as I could until I finally said, this is enough. This is actually going backwards instead of forwards. And that's when I went back home to Minnesota. So you end up back there several years later. What, around 87 or so is when, 86, 87 is when you're back in the, uh, in the Carolinas. When, yeah. you, when you got back there with, uh, with Crockett, you're teaming with Hawk, you have Paul there with you, you're winning goals, you're winning trophies, you're winning, mm-hmm. you're winning fake checks in tournaments. You're- fake checks, yeah. I wish the IRS knew they were fake. <laughs> <laughs> so you're winning everything then. Does anybody even remember you as the kid that was there in the early 80s? Uh, only true wrestling fans that have pictures of me. Knew that it was me, uh, but you know, to be quite honest, I you know back then there were no autograph sessions, right? There were no fan appreciation things. There were no meet and greets. You because you were in a different town every day. You went to the town, did your deal, boom, you took off. You never signed any autographs because we were heels before the show, because that's was was what it was all about back then. You know, it, listen, heels never signed autographs until Vince McMahon told everybody wrestling was fake. Right. Then he'll start signing autographs. So, you know, we, we protected the business like it was, you know, your only child left in the world, you know. But um, it was definitely a different experience going back. Um, now we were, per se, in a different driver's seat going back at this time. So you get back there, and the reason I bring that up is because, hey, I've gone over your career. I've read, read your book. Two pretty important things happened to you when you were in the Carolinas in the late 80s. One storyline-wise and the other real-life-wise. Start with the real-life one. That was when your, uh, your wife's water broke and James was on the way. Yeah, I was in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And I was the main event in that match. Jim Crockett had to literally put me on early. I had to hop in a car, drive 110 miles to Charlotte, and then fly out of Charlotte back to Minneapolis. And then, uh, you know, I actually made it probably within an hour of James being born. So you still, you made it all that way and didn't miss a thing. This is back in 80, what, 87? I was... Uh, 86. 86. Yeah, so I was lucky to be able to get home, to be able to make it to that event, you know, and uh, of, of my son James being born. So what I did is I, 
you know, I, like any father would do, I grabbed my catcher's mitt, got in the waiting room, and said, okay, man, let's pitch it out. <laughs> let's go, let's oh, you go. went home plate too, huh? Oh, I was home plate, man. I was a catcher my whole life. No, you I know. went center field. Yeah, man. You know, I, I, I catched and I pitched. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we've, by the way, James, it's, I, I haven't mentioned this. So I, I did radio in St. Louis for eight years. That's how you and I uh, got, got connected in all this as well, because you moved the whole family to St. Louis when James got drafted by the Rams. Yeah. I've had, I had James on my show three times when I was doing radio in, uh, in St. Louis, twice of those, twice in person too. So that was uh, you're lucky. Yeah, he never goes anywhere in person. Well, know. one time, one t- I, I shouldn't say he. I noticed I didn't say in studio. One oh. time was at a uh, at, on a remote. He was doing. He was promoting something, and it just so happened to coincide with the remote we were doing. The other sure. time was at the uh, Super Bowl in Phoenix. He was oh, uh, yeah. he was there for that, and the uh, the Rams were were nice enough to give him to us for about a half an hour before they moved the team out of town. Yeah, well, yeah, it was almost like yeah. a goodbye interview, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, James is, uh, you know, he's a pretty eloquent kid on the mic. Uh, he's very good at speaking. He's He knows football. Uh, you know, right now he's with the Big Ten Network, so um, that seems to be his future in the football business mm-hmm. today. You know, he does a lot of stuff with NFL, and he does a lot of stuff with, uh, with college football. We're so. going to have to get him. Is he coming into town for the holidays? You know, he was going to, but I think this, since he retired just this year, um, his wife's family, they've never got to spend Christmas with his wife's family. So this year they're going to Cleveland, Ohio to celebrate Christmas. So, um, uh, this, this holiday season, no, we'll, we won't spend any time together, but you know, I'm sure we'll see each other shortly after the first of the year. I was going to say, we got to get him in on one of these, especially with college football. I, I, I know he probably doesn't want to talk much college football right now. Yeah, you're probably right. He's probably getting college footballed out because every Sunday he goes to Chicago, does the Big Ten Network filming, and then flies home Monday night. Right? Well, that in Ohio State, kind of on the outside looking into that, yeah, uh, the Final Four. Man, that Buckeyes, man. <clears throat> you know, if they could just be consistent, you know, but that's, hey, that's young kids. That's the way young kids are. You know, it's the way they grow up. It's the way they play football. The, uh, the other uh, Carolina story that uh, you've, you've told me about it, and at the time I didn't realize that it was in – the, uh, that it was in North Carolina until I read about it in your book, was um, the bench press comp. And I'm pretty sure you, you did that with your eye hanging halfway out your head. Yeah, man. People don't realize that you know, a day before that, I was in Hammond, Indiana, wrestling the uh, – Hawk and I wrestled the Warlord and Ivan Koloff. And uh, <clears throat> Warlord did a small slam on me. It just didn't go the right way, and he landed on my head, and it was like – it was like throwing a orange against the side of a wall. Something had to give, and my my left eye popped out and popped back. It went back in, went back in too far, and uh, he blew out my. I had a skull fracture, blew out my orbital rim, fractured my cheek, and broke my nose all in one move. And uh, was definitely the worst thing that has ever happened to me in wrestling, football, in a fight, anything. That's the worst worst uh, injury I've ever had. And then you turn around, you fly from, uh, you, you fly to North Carolina. Chicago to Greensboro. Yeah. And you're asked to uh, sit down and, and bench press how much? Well, you know, at the time I was probably the strongest I ever was in my career. You know, I'm sure I was well over, I could bench over 630 pounds at the time. But that day, you know, when you have your eye smashed out, you know, you're, you know, any kind of pressure, as soon as, 
take the normal person. Normal person, try, you, the listeners at home could do it. Lay down, lay down on your back. You feel the pressure rush to your head. Could imagine when your eye and everything is cracked around it, what that pressure is. So what I did, being a smart wrestler, <laughs> is I painted over my swelling and over the injury. So the fans never knew I had the injury. And uh, I told them, I said, listen, I'm only going to go as heavy as my body will let me go. And, you know, I was in a position I had to be the bencher because everyone knew I was stronger than the Hawk. And everyone knew that the Warlord was the strongest one in his team. So I had to be the guy to lay down two bench press. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been looked like a, like a fair competition, you know. And, that, and, and the NWA, I got to admit, over the other company at the time, was uh, they were all about realism, you know. Um, when we did our bench press competition, we used real weights. Uh, when the other company did their bench press competition, I believe with Dino Bravo, they had wooden plates on the bar. And they said it was a certain amount, which everybody could tell. If you're a lifter, you know a wooden plate when you see it and how fast someone pushes someone up. To. But I, I did 545 pounds that day with uh, my eye all busted out, and it was strictly a tricep press. I mean, it was all tricep. I didn't push anything to put any extra pressure on my eye. But um, you know, on top of that, you know, between – getting hit with a chair and getting hit with a high boot by Barbarian and smashing my head into the bar, any one of those things could have aggravated my injury extremely, you know. But uh, I trusted the guys I was, uh, you know, going against that day, and uh, it all worked out okay. That's the, the, the stories of your lifting and the, the amount that you were able to lift at times. I, I'll speak for everybody out there listening. It's, it's going to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, there, there's freaks in this world, you know. you got people got to understand. I trained with a guy like Warlord. Uh, my other training partner throughout my career was a guy named Scott Norton with the NWO. Scott was a well over a 760-pound bench presser, you know. Um, <clears throat> when you train with guys like that, you can't help but be a freak of nature. And I myself, I'm, no doubt in my mind, I could have been a, a world-class powerlifter in my day. I mean, Warlord and I would go into the gym and no bench shirt, no wraps, no elbow wraps, no wrist straps, and do 500 for 12 to 15 reps on the bench press. Nice, strict, even reps. You know, without cheating, you know, do 500 on the incline, which is almost unheard of because the incline bench would literally break with 500 pounds on it. Wow. You know, but uh, that's just, you know, that's the way we lifted. I mean, to be honest with you, I had to lift like that. There's no way I could have pressed guys like Killer Khan, who was 350, like Hulk Hogan, who was 330, over my head if I wasn't strong like that. How so, many, yeah. so I had to lift during my career. And those press slams now, they, uh, they, are, they, are they doing them different? these? I mean, when you see a guy do it different these days, what was the, the way it was done back then? Is there any difference? Well, first of all, guys really don't do press slams now. Um, and if someone does, you know, it's always a big guy doing it to a real little guy. You never see a big guy doing it to a right. big guy, and that was the difference between me and everybody else. I like to do it to the big guys. To really, and I would do the big guy like Khan, I did for four or five reps. I like to do the big guys for reps, you know. And um, we, we would grab a guy right standing on the mat and go right up above, above our head. We don't stop at our chest, nothing else. We went bam and just threw that body up. That is a lot harder to do because you're dealing with a human body. You're not dealing with a bar. You're not dealing with regular weight. 
you're dealing with body weight, which fluctuates because no, body weights aren't aren't equal. You know, the front head, the front end could be heavier than the back end. The back end could be heavier than the front end. You know, so you got to adjust for that. And, and and I think you get a little bit of anticipation and anxiety, and you get a little, little bit of a rush in your own system because you know you got to get psyched up for that press. And that's why uh, that's why guys went up pretty easy for us. So in the end, where where do you rank the uh, Charlotte, the Greensboro, the Winston Salem? Where do you rank that amongst the territories back in the eighties? Ah, uh, man, it had to be right up there, close to number one or two. I mean, uh, in the eighties, you had either New York or you had the Carolinas. That was it. You know, and, and you know, I, I take that back. You had the AWA too. But out of the three, you, the Carolinas were probably, I'd say, number one or two. And then, you know, then you had the other one was two. And then, you, you know, the AWA was three. Right. You know, and, and that's that's just the way. And then you had, you know, uh, Mid-South. And then you had, you know, uh, the Von Erichs down there, too, which ended up being four or five. But, uh, yeah, I, the NWA at the time, only because of the amount of stars that were there. You know, you not only did you have Flair and the Horseman and Hawk and I and, you know, <clears throat> the Powers of Pain and all the other guys, you know, you had, you know, Rock and Roll Express, Magnet TA, Nikita Koloff, you had Lex Luger, you had Dr. Death Steve Williams, you know, Stan Hansen would come in, Dusty Rhodes was running the whole thing. I mean, that's quite a list of stars that were main events guys, you know, so. Yeah, a lot of those guys too. The ones that are uh, the ones that are still with us. We uh, we look forward to having them on here, getting them to uh, to talk with us, and me just sit back, shut up, and let you and uh, you and whoever it is uh, chat it up. Because hanging out with you this uh, the past weekend at Star at Wrestlecade, and just hearing you and some of the other guys just talk and talk about some of the stories, and even to some extent, I'm, I'm going to save some of the stuff for future episodes. But there was one. There was one individual who came up to you and was so excited to see you and was reciting a story that happened 30 years ago exactly the way that you describe it in the book and talking about how cool it was for him to be there as a kid and see it, knowing that we're going to talk to those guys and share these uh, stories with them here on the podcast is, uh, is pretty exciting. Yeah, man. You know, this is all great nostalgia stuff for fans to go back to jog their memory and mm -hmm. jogs my memory too, mm -hmm. to recap and relive some of the greatest moments in our business. You know, um, these are some of the moments that catapulted the business to where it's going today. Right. I mean, without the Starcades and w without the Great American Bashes, there are no WrestleManias. You know what I mean? So. Um, Dusty Rhodes and, and Crocker Promotions, I think, were so far ahead of its time back in the day that uh, right now it's almost it's almost coming full circle because now you have the WWE renaming their events Great American Bash, The War Game, Starcade. Yeah, it's no coincidence, man. You know why? Because those names bring in people, and people want to go back to see even the resemblance of what their childhood was about, you know? And that, and that's why they're going back to the old names. That's what I believe. Oh yeah, it, and you know what? It's a way to. It's. I'm sure that more tickets were sold when they put the word Starcade on it rather than just House Show in Greensboro. Oh I, yeah, if you'd have put House Show in Greensboro, you probably wouldn't have got 200 people to show up. And with that too, they they weren't uh, House Show in Greensboro. Given the recent health 
of Ric Flair, he probably wouldn't have come to that. You're probably not spending the money to bring Ricky Steamboat to yeah, that. And yeah. it's same with the Rock and Roll Express. You're not bringing them. You're, you're probably not bringing them out there either. Well, yeah, man. You know, listen, it costs money to get guys to go anywhere today. And because uh, this is their way of making their livelihood, mm-hmm. too, you know, and, <clears throat> you know, you have to, uh, you know, listen, this is why and I laugh at WrestleManias, you know, because WrestleManias, <clears throat> why do you think some of the WrestleManias get some of the beauty audience they do? Because when they have a WrestleMania, they bring back The Rock. They bring back Mick Foley. They bring back Shawn Michaels. Why? Because they were the great guys in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s that carried that company. Same thing with Starcade. you got to bring back Flair and, and Steamboat and, and guys like that because they were the guys that helped catapult wrestling business to where it is. Yeah. And they've been doing that for years with WrestleMania, though. Sure, they, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they're not having Muhammad Ali and Liberace out there in the air. No, <laughs> in no the man, but you can't have... You can't have Starcade without bringing in the guys that make right. Starcade what it is. Right. And Arn's not giving a spine buster on a regular house show either. No, no. <clears throat> Bro, Arn Anderson's is not even getting in the ring anymore. And and you saw what he did. He did a pretty impressive spine buster for not doing it probably for 30 years. Yeah. Well, he you looked know? the exact same when he gave it 30 years ago, too. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, man. He was probably the same size. He Exactly. He is not. Since the first time I turned on Nitro as a kid, Arn Anderson hasn't aged one single year. Yeah. Yeah, Arnold looks pretty much the same, man. It's great to see. From the first day you met him, uh, he looks the same. Arn's a little bigger than the first day I met him because you know Arn was one of the guys when, you know, Arn and Barry Darso as a time at the time, <clears throat> before Crusher Khrushchev days, we wrestled them on Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. One of Hawk and I's very first matches, and heck, they, both of those guys and they were big guys looked at us and say. You want to start with these guys? You want to start with these guys? No, I don't want to start against the Road Warriors. I mean, you know, that was the funny joke going on. Who's going to wrestle against the Road Warriors, you know? <clears throat> but, yeah, man, I've known Arn for a lot of years. One of my very first matches in Georgia Championship Wrestling was against Arn. Well, one of these days, it, uh, it'd be awesome to get him on as, uh, as well. Not sure how that, uh, how that works, given his current employment, how, that, uh, how some of those work. But like we said, we're going to have a lot of your friends, a lot of your rivals, a lot of the guys that you were on the road with and in the ring with on over the years as well. Uh, another thing that we uh, just taking care of business here, we do plan on, uh, on getting some, uh, some shirts out there as well, along with the shirts that you already have out there that people could go online yeah. and uh, still get today at, uh, at Pro Wrestling Tees, right? Heck yeah, man. Pro Wrestling Tees. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com. There's probably 20 or so different Road Warrior Legion of Doom style shirts. Animal shirts, Animal U, Road Warrior U. It's great, man. It's good to see. And then we have our, we'll have our you know, Water Rush Pod shirt. It's yep. going to be coming out too, man. It's pretty cool. The, you know, pair of spiked shoulder pads with the microphone in the middle. So, it, it, it's a great time, man. It's a great time in the wrestling business. It's a great time in the podcast world. And uh, we'll announce what we're doing next week coming up in a few days on Twitter and on Facebook. But until then, as we mentioned at the start of the show, you are going to be getting on the uh, getting on a plane and making your way to the UK on Thursday uh, Thursday afternoon into uh, into Thursday night. Does that take you into Friday over there? Leaving on a jet plane. Yeah, I actually land. I leave, let's check this out. I leave at eleven thirty, and I get in at eight o'clock in the morning Friday. 
It's going to be the trip from you know where, from hell, because I got to go from here, Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Manchester, England. Really? <sighs> it's just the way if the international flights, when you fly during a week, they're on not all the same legs, not all the same times. Happens to be the way that one works out. When I come home, it's direct Manchester to Atlanta, Atlanta, St. Louis. A lot easier on my body. That's I, I wouldn't have thought that you would have had you'd have to stop at you know multiple yeah, countries. Yeah, like yeah. I, I get flying to Minnesota. I, I yeah. it's well known that St. Louis doesn't fly yeah. really anywhere direct for the most part. But I, I so I get that it's having to stop in Amsterdam to get to Manchester is is yeah, a little crazy. It's it's not usual, but uh, it's the way it worked out this first trip here. So what you know, it's only one leg of the trip, and it won't be both legs coming back. So it it is what it is, man. You just Grin and bear it and make the trip. So that'll be Wales Comic Con that you'll be at this weekend. If you're when you're listening to this, most likely Joe will be in the air flying out to uh, flying out there. So Heck yeah, man. Hey, yeah. all the fans of the, the UK, come on down. You know, in Wales, in the UK, surrounding countries over there, Germany, Netherlands, whatever. Come on down to the Wales Comic Con. Not only the wrestling stars, but the other great actors are going to be there, man. Jamie Milner puts in a first-class, top-notch show, and uh, it's always a good good event to be a part of. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, the list right now, the Wales Comic Con list. You'll have uh, from you'll have Abraham from The Walking Dead. He will uh, he will be there. Michael Cudlitz, as he's uh, as he's known, he will uh, he will be there. And then the uh, the actor that plays Alfred on the show Gotham, Sean Pertwee, will also uh, will also be there. I've been I've been a big Walking Dead fan for years, so I'm very familiar with with uh, the character of Abraham. The uh, but and I've been binge watching Gotham lately. So those <laughs> when I saw those two names on the list, I thought that was really cool <clears throat> that these two guys are going to be there. Yeah, I do a lot of comic cons with the Walking Dead guys. I see them all the time. I usually. Sometimes I fly with them on the same flight, you know, so it's, um, they're pretty good people, you know, I mean, listen, they're business like ours, we're actors, and we're trying to fly around the world and, and uh, entertain the fans, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, there you have it. We will, uh, we'll be announcing our plans for episode two of the What A Rush podcast coming up in a days. As I said, you could find us on Twitter, at What Rush Pod is where you could find us there, at What A Rush Pod where you can find us on Twitter and then on Facebook. Right now, search Oh What a Pod. We'll be changing that over when uh, when we're able to as well. And then, as I said, you can email us anything that you've wanted to know from Animal over the years. Road Warrior Podcast at gmail.com. That's Road Warrior Podcast at gmail.com. We got our 20 minute Broadway out of the way, Joe. That's. Uh, there you go, man. Hey. That, hey, Joe, I look forward. It's been a great hour. I look forward to the future podcast. I think this is going to be great and, and very entertaining for the fans because everybody knows the Road Warriors were entertaining to say the least. And uh, and the fans were witnesses to a lot of great action. And it's going to be great to talk to fans and friends and and rehash old stories, man. It's going to be pretty pretty cool. That'll do it for us today. As I said, follow us along on social media or download uh, where you, when you download us on any of your favorite podcast apps, or you can find us at the stlpodcast.com website. Until next week, this is Joe Roderick alongside Road Warrior Animal Joe Laurinaitis. This has been the first episode of Oh, What a Rush Podcast.